and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate, Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm on my, well, almost Jack Jones, except that over in the corner is Jules Boyle. Alrighty all. No Gaby Mackay today, he is on a little, uh, well what would you say, a jaunt? Jolly, a jolly. He's he's Bus, away. Busman's Let's holiday. just say he's away. Yeah, he's away. Uh, so it's just the two of us today. Um, we can make it if you try. Is that the, is that the line? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Just the two of us. You and I. Just the two of us. What are we going to talk about? Well, where else but Scotland against Russia? We're going to analyse the game ahead this evening and ask whether or not Scotland are still well placed for a Nations League playoff qualification. Should they fail to top? Um, Russia and Belgium in this group. We're going to touch on the Roy Keane versus Sir Alex Ferguson feud that's once again reignited after comments made on the Irish podcast video show Off The Ball. And finally, we're going to touch on Rangers and how they can recover from old firm disappointment. Jules, are you excited about tonight's game? We've, we saw Gaby yesterday giving it, you know, the usual millennial shtick about not being that excited about Scotland. But we are, we're old guys. We, we we remember the the good old days of Italian ninety and World Cup ninety eight. And I think our older uh, listeners will be laughing to themselves thinking <laughs> about how they saw Scotland beat Holland at a World Cup final at one point. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I was very small, but I remember I had my strip on, yeah, kicking the ball about, smashing laps in the living room. Yep, um, I'm excited. Ah, no, sadly not. Um, obviously, I support Scotland. I always have sports since I was a child. Um, over the years, it's got um, harder, shall we say, yeah, harder to love. Um, there's been, it's been difficult to get enthusiasm. There's been little. It's too much pain, isn't it? it is, too much, just, too it, much self-loathing and. And horror just tied up in the way the national team has played. Yeah, definitely. That is the thing. And obviously, you know, with your club team or whatever, you, we've all go through horrors and terrible times and you still support the team and you still love them, you still do it forever. The national team is slightly different. Yeah, of course I want them to do well. Um, but when the horrors happen, you know, when, when your team loses a terrible game or loses the league or something, it's ruined your summer or it ruins your weekend or whatever that. When Scotland have a horror show, you know, you still read the paper the next day. You're, you know, you're kind of almost resigned now to mm. expecting something awful happening, do you know what I mean? Even, you know, they'll do well and then something terrible will happen or, or something, an easy game will happen and they'll muck that up or something. It's just, been, it's been slowly pushing you down and pushing it down. And obviously tonight you want to do well. It's Russia, you've got Belgium coming up. You're looking at it going, it wasn't the best of starts, do you know what I mean? It was the, you know, and that, <laughs> I'm, I'm playing it down here. Yeah, you really are. A 3-0 <laughs> away win, uh, defeat against Kazakhstan. That's, yeah. uh, that's about as bad as it can Not get, the best it? of starts. Well, I mean, if you look at it, um, you know, he had Malky Mackay in for, you know, the, the caretaker job at first, then McLeish came in, which most folk didn't want and didn't, and it, it kind of summed up a sort of malaise around the general setup of the whole thing. And if he'd, you know, fair play to him in before he's done before, if he'd come in and folk were not happy about it and he got us off to a flyer, you know, you might bite your tongue, go right fair, and obviously it went worse than anyone could possibly imagine. Now Steve Clarkson, a great manager, he's done so well last season, season before he's done this great stuff, but he's came in a real you know, a boat with a big hole in it. Um, and he's got a tough job in getting it back together and, do, and doing stuff with it. But already we're, we're playing in the back foot. You know, we've got like, you know, is it four points we've got at the moment? Um, it's it's six points six, at the moment. Six now, at but, the moment. But I would agree with you in terms of that boat. I think that boat has got a big hole in it. Not just a big hole, but that boat is sinking. Yeah, sinking you know, fast. There, there, for me, there is no chance that Scotland can come back from that. I that don't think 3-0 so. away defeat. 
in uh, Kazakhstan. You have to win those games yeah. to qualify. It's as simple as that. And far too often in the last 20-odd years, fast becoming 25 years at this rate, um, Scotland have started campaigns slowly, and it's come back to bite them in the bum. Yeah. The one time they started off a, a qualification campaign fast was under Walter Smith in 2007-ish. Yeah, about that, yeah, um, yeah. When I think Scotland played San Marino and won 5-0 at Parkhead, 5 or 6-0, and then went to Lithuania and won 2-1. All of a sudden, it was positivity. Even though it was two games that you'd probably expect to bankers, win. bankers, yeah. Um, they went and actually won them, uh-huh. and that led to going into France at home. You're like, can can we do can it? We do it? Can and, we? Yeah. And Scotland did do it yeah. because yeah. you know they started off well. The confidence was fl- flown through the team. It was France, so they thought, well, it's a free punch. Um, and, and you know, they they um, they hit a knockout blow. So I'd yeah. like to see Scotland do that again at some point. It's, yeah. it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but if you don't start well, you're snookered. That's the long and short of it. Yeah, if you, do, if you don't start well, and especially if you're not winning your bankers, do you know what I mean? Because you know, these qualifications are not easy. They're not easy for us every time we're doing it. But if you're you know, making an absolute pig's ear of the ones you really should be winning, and then you're you know, looking at it going, right, we need to get some points off uh, two Russia games in Belgium. Yeah, you're, yeah I mean... It's like... You know, heads are down. Do you know I mean, and it must be really difficult for the team. Obviously, the professional footballers and their heads will be up, of course, they will. But knowing that pressure's on it because they've made it so difficult for themselves, now they need to really do something. Really, I honestly don't think we're going to get anything out of Belgium. Anyone who thinks oh. that we're going to get anything out of Belgium, I think they're being highly, highly optimistic. <laughs> and you, you, you want to sort of say to them, "Well, what's your evidence for that?" Uh-huh. You know, I think, yeah. it's, I think they're the number one ranked side yeah. in the yeah, world, certainly in the top three. Uh-huh. So. Even without the Hazard brothers, they've still got more than enough in the tank to take care of Scotland, regardless if it's home or away. No, um, Scotland never laid a glove uh, in that game in Belgium, uh, the 3-0 defeat um, already in the campaign. So I really think um, this one, this double header hinges on this result against Russia. And, and frankly, it's a must win. It's yeah, an absolute yeah, must win. Yep, yep. Um, I saw Steve Clark last night saying basically, you know, these are important, but it's not just this one game. It's all we get points over these three, and this is the thing. And you think, well, if you're not getting it for the home game at Russia, are you getting it for the away one? Are you getting it for Belgium? Do you know what I mean? It's that, of course, and obviously, I'm sure I have to say these sort of things like yes. that and get up, but it's tonight. It's all on tonight. And, and if we don't get anything out of this, even a, even a point, but if we don't get anything at all, that's game over, I think. There's a player that's given me the fear, Jules, and his name is Artem Zubia. Yes, Zuba. You know, Z- we need Zubia. Gabe, yeah, Zubia. We need Gaby here to pronounce this. I mean, Gaby famously, of course, can't pronounce anything from Scotland. I mean, <laughs> Galeen. What was the other one yesterday? There was another one. Yeah, he, he can't pronounce Scottish words. But when it comes to foreign stuff, he's, he's got a talent. He's yep. terrific. Yep. He's, he's he's very much the opposite of whatever Brexit is. <laughs> um, he's an internationalist. He's internationalist, exactly. Um, but this lad, six foot five. Um, not the kind of player that Scotland's defenders, Charlie Mulgrew um, and others, have been traditionally very good against recently. But Liam Cooper, obviously, potentially coming at the team, might be able to deal with him a little better than we've seen recently. But 20 goals in 36 international games, 41 goals in 106 games for Zenit, five goals in the campaign already. <laughs> to be fair, four of those did come against San Marino. But... That's the kind of firepower that starts the nerves a jangling. It is, it really is. He's clearly a dangerous player. I'm obviously he's, he's he's 
getting on. You know, he's 31, still eh? 31, but he's, he still seems to be extremely sharp. He's very, very strong as well. He's very sort of tough and aggressive up front. Um, you can just see him, you know, muscling his way through these things. He knows where the goal is. He's, he's a dangerous looking player. Obviously, we've seen him here before when Zenit were here. I think it was twice they were here um, with them. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a player. I think you can. Um, he needs to be taken care of early doors, I think, because that's going to cause his problems. The other guy who feeds him that will be difficult to get a hold of is Alexander Golovin. Now, he was terrific at the World Cup, key player for, for Russia, and won himself a move to Monaco. £27 million, very close to signing for Chelsea, by all accounts, didn't really happen. He's not exactly set the Heather, or whatever the Monaco equivalent of Heather is alight. Um, 30 games, I think only three goals from that number 10 position, but he's still a guy that can carve you open at will if you give him the time and space. The big question that I have, Jules, is this. I'm seeing a lot of Scotland fans and pundits talking about a midfield that comprises of Charlie... uh, Charlie Christie. Ryan Christie. I'm talking about his dad there. um, Callum McGregor and... um, John McGinn. Now, to me, that would be unimaginable folly. Who's picking up Golovin out of those guys? Um, To me, you absolutely need at least Scott McTominay in there, but preferably, from my point of view, Kenny McLean and Scott McTominay to give you that base to allow the attacking players to go and do their thing. If you're going to play James Forrest and Ryan Fraser... These guys need to have a platform. Yeah. Otherwise, they're going to be doing a lot of their work in the defensive area of the pitch. Yeah. And you really want them going into the final third and hunting teams. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it could end up being a sort of damage limitation exercise if that's the situation. Do you know what I mean? They'll be down, they'll be playing deep, they'll be getting pressed really hard, and they'll be getting, you know, side open in the middle, like completely side open at all, and there'll be nothing going up. Um, and obviously, you know, there's still the discussion over who's actually going up front and actually getting on the end of these balls as well. It's it's just got lots of red flags all over it. I think like all, there's so many things you're looking at going. Yeah, I mean, R- Russia have scored some goals in this campaign so far. I mean, winning four nil in Kazakhstan, I mean, we lost three <laughs> nil over there. So so that tells its own story, perhaps. A three one loss to Belgium, as we've already discussed, one of the best there's teams no in the world. In so that, there's no shame in that. Um, nine goals against San Marino. Again, they were at home. We, we beat them two nil away. It's obviously more difficult in, in, in San Marino's notoriously um, difficult ground. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, nine goals suggest they're a team that know where the back of the net is and then they defeated Cyprus 1-0, which is, I suppose, fairly similar to our 2-1 victory. So it's clear they're, ga- they're a team that, that knows where the back of the net is in comparison with Scotland, who, of course, haven't really looked like a team capable of, of going out there and carving teams open at any point, despite the fact we do have some yeah. quality players in forward areas. Yeah, we totally do, absolutely. It's, I think there's a, a mentality difference at the moment. I mean, there's the, we've huffed and puffed, even, mm. you know, obviously Kazakhstan was disastrous, but we, we, there's a bit of a grind, you know, ever since then, the games have been sort of ground out a little bit. There didn't seem to be much spark in the team. It didn't seem to be this, you know, I think the belief's not there. Do you know what I mean? I think you can see that, and Russia are obviously in a completely different situation. And it'll take a little bit of time. As good as Steve Clark is, it's going to take him six months to get his ideas across. He doesn't have the the same amount of time that a club manager has in terms of moulding them day-to-day in training. He's got to do a lot of work in a very, very short period. He's got to really communicate with them in an an incisive way and slowly build that team up with, with not a lot of time. So... 
I think you've got to probably say that this campaign is about slow, steady improvement and then going into that uh, Nations League playoff that, yeah. in good shape come maybe those last two games of the, this campaign. Yeah. Now, talking of that playoff, we're seeing some incredible form from Finland. Uh, boy, that I would say by two for, well, a former Celtic player in Timo Pukki, who's just <laughs> scoring goal after <laughs> goal fire <laughs> at international level and the Premier League. And he, he scored again, I think, um, last night. And... Uh, Glenn Kamara, Glenn Kamara, who's who's doing exceptionally well for Finland and has become a mainstay in, in the team. So so it looked like it was going to be them um, based on the standings in the Nation League, but given that they are second in their group and I think five points ahead of the nearest side, it seems like unless they implode, it's likely that they'll qualify through that uh, method, which means it's most likely to be Bulgaria, who are sitting bottom of England's group. They are next in line in the Nations League. Now, it would be a one-off home game I'd fancy Scotland's chances under Steve Clark to get past Bulgaria. They are hope. not they are not the team of Lechkov and Stoichkov that we saw in the nineteen ninety four World Cup. Yeah, no, definitely not. You, you would hope so, surely. Um that that would I'm very wary of just saying, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine and doing that, you know, Scotland thing. Oh yeah, that's totally yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah. Oh, it's only Bulgaria. They're not the team we used to. We don't know be. anything about Bulgaria, but they're not quite what they were. They're Therefore there. we'll smash them. That'll be fine. Yeah. That's totally I, I kinda great. did do that. Almost, honest, but you yeah, quantified yeah. it a little bit. But but there is that thing, oh well, it's totally fine. You would think, you would think that should that that, that should mm. be a favourable draw. It should be. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. never know any, what, what they're going to get for that. I think it's because Bulgaria on the past have always had players, at least one or two, that have been peppered around the big clubs. I mentioned yeah. Stoichkov, one of the one of my favourite players growing up as a kid. But even a few years later, Dietmar Berbatov, Stelian Petrov, they always had a few yeah. Yeah. really really top class players, and it doesn't seem to be that many at big clubs. Yeah, certainly not top class. Uh-huh, totally level. not at that level. Um, absolutely, and that that gives you a little bit of hope because that's you know ninety nine point nine percent where our chance is going to come is going to come in, in that playoff. Gives you a little bit of hope, but again, there easily could be these players that you don't, don't know much about, and they could just absolutely run right on us. I mean, it could happen so easily, and again, overconfidence. I'm sure the team will be overconfident. Steve Clark will be overconfident, but as you say, we'll be building towards that because you know he will know that the chances he qualifying otherwise are very very slim. But he'll build up his side. Well, if we were Fingers to get crossed. if we were to get past Bulgaria, it would be Serbia or Norway, um, both both tough games. Uh, so. We don't know actually whether or not it'll be Hamden. I think it's likely that it would be at Hamden. Again, it's a one-off game, but you know either of those would be would be difficult. So uh, fingers crossed. Let's see what happens. Obviously, the main thing is that Steve Clark and Scotland are building towards creating a team that can then attack those Nations League playoffs because that's our best chance. I think. I'm going to move on now to two two men. I think are quite close to our hearts. Uh, Roy Keane, who I would say is. One of my favourite Premier League players um, of the last 25 years. Probably my favourite Premier League player. Absolutely wonderful uh, captain and leader on the park. And in many ways, the epitome of the man he attacked yesterday. <laughs> his old boss, Sir Alex Ferguson. And and, and this is an odd one for me because I can't take sides in this. Um, I love both these guys. I've read... Um, Keane's had two autobiographies I own both I've read both bought both in the first day and it's the same with Ferguson I've read the Hugh McIlvanny book I've read his more recent book and I've read even his leadership book um, which came out which was nowhere near as good as the other two it has to be said <laughs> Is that why he gave us a hairdryer? Um, yeah. Slightly disappointing in that one to be honest but 
these are guys that you know I respect. So it's 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 hard. As, as entertaining as it is, <laughs> watching it because you can't really pick a side. Do you need to pick a side, Jules? No, I definitely don't. Um, obviously, it depends who people are talking about. I'm sure, like you know, uh, Man United fans would you know struggle with that as well. Most folks are sort of neutral. It's, it's difficult. Roy Keane. I've always liked Roy Keane. Obviously, as a player, you, you take that away. He's an t- exceptional player. I've always liked his kind of his insane, intense carnapsiousness. Do you know what I mean? It's, you know that kind of. Do you know that word? I, yeah, that, that is right. not a word that I am aware of. <laughs> Carnapsiousness. Carnapsious is like, you know, Wonderful. oh, grand, it's basically Roy Keane. Some, you know, that kind of... You wouldn't get that on sports science. You certainly wouldn't. <laughs> look, look it up, folks. It's a word. It's a good one. Um, but yeah, so, but yes, and half the time I totally agree with him. More than, more than that, I agree with him. I think sometimes he kind of goes overboard and he's not, I don't think he's like playing a role. A lot of sort of ex-players and starts to do, do play a sort of role of what they're doing. He's not, he's just like that. He can't help himself. He is just this intense, aggressive guy who you might avoid in the pub. Do you, do, I mean? do you know what he strikes me as? And I've met a few of these people over, over my years alive in this world. Um, one of these guys that he'll start off on a topic and the more he talks about it, the more angry he gets. Totally. And he gets angrier and angrier until he's almost just like spitting venom. Yeah. Like, yep. and, and he started off the Ferguson stuff quite sensible and calm. Making a decent point. But, you, you, and making decent <laughs> He actually, even though he was angry, he still made some yeah. decent points, to be fair. Um, yeah, because da- Darren Fletcher, it's arguable whether or not he was actually good <laughs> enough um, to be a Manchester United player at the time. But... <laughs> You just watched Gary Neville's face, and you could sort of see that Gary Neville's going, "Oh no, he's yeah. he's going to go off and one doing year. it again." But yeah. and, and by the way, that's another facet to this. I just absolutely love their dynamic because it's it's clear that whenever they're together, it just goes back to the dressing room. Totally, you Keen totally is the leader. It. Neville, who follows what he says, whereas you know when you watch Sky, and it's Neville with any other pundit, almost Sunes, Mourinho, um, Jamie Carragher, who's very good with all these guys yeah. are brilliant, by the way. Um, but he's he's in no way defers to these guys. No, he, no. He's in many ways the leader, but the minute he sits down with Keane, it's a completely different dynamic. Yeah, it's it's like, fascinating it's to like watch. Being back at school again, I think, you know, when it's totally, you know, it's that yeah. you can see that in him. But I think, I mean, I think you're totally right. You're like Keane's, the way he does, I mean, he starts off, he's always, I mean, he starts off angry. I think that's just his default setting. He's always angry. Do you know what I mean? He's like, you know, you know um, like the Hulk in the Avengers. Do you know what I mean? He's always angry. But then he makes a decent point and he just gets his dander up and the more he thinks about it. I think you can see him thinking about it more and it really annoys him the more he's thinking about it. And it, all, it goes, just goes off. And a lot of the time you see these things, a lot of his, his anger issues and his, his points, they're all to do with professionalism and taking things seriously and all that sort of stuff. It was like as a player, do you know what I mean? It was that kind of thing of, you know, no time for players that thought they were superstars, no time for poor training, no time for, you know, anything, anything's not like taking it so, so seriously. And obviously it still burns, burns them so much. And you wonder as a manager what it was like, because you just think, it can't tamp it down in any way. Mm. And again, there, the Ferguson stuff, he started off and he was making sort of valid point and next thing he's just, he's away. Do you know the, I mean? the thing is, again, I thought Neville was very perceptive when he said, that it was inevitable that it would end like that, or or there was always a chance that it would end like that, because I don't think Keane is a guy who is imbued with a huge amount of self-awareness. No. And <laughs> you got the sense that he wasn't really cognizant that he was right at the end of his career. But he, he went to Celtic, and, and, you know, he was terrific in one or two games, but he said himself by his own stand, I can't, I'm not physically right anymore yep. now that might have been because he he came up to Scotland and thought 
I don't really want to <laughs> drop down to this sort of level. I remember him being absolutely peerless one game at Ibrox and he completely dominated the entire game and he looked as good as he'd ever looked. But then, obviously, even an old firm game is not maybe quite at the level that he'd played yeah. uh, Champions League semi-finals and, and things like that. But um, he was clearly coming to the end because he only lasted another six months after that. And yeah. then that, that and was it. Injuries and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, game, so, game over. So you th- you'd, have think, you'd have thought that he, he and Ferguson would have had a more structured, planned, agreed sort yeah. of plan. And it seemed like Keane felt that it was always going to be the way it had been. And Ferguson touched on that in his book when he said, well, Roy's just thinks he's Peter Pan. He, he thought yeah. he's the boy that would always go on. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was fasc- it's absolutely fascinating. We could probably talk about Roy Keane and his psychology for, for, <laughs> for hours on end. Um, but we're going to move on now to uh, discuss Rangers. Um, going into that old firm game last week, Jules, um, they were obviously the bookies' favourites. Yep. And uh, Celtic were getting written off, I think much to uh, Neil Lennon's chagrin. A lot of people, I think, uh, tipped, uh, not you, you not tipped me. Celtic, but yeah. a lot of people exactly. tipped Rangers, myself included, to win the game. Um, and it didn't really happy f- happen for them on the day. But now, a week later, Jules, perhaps, you know, the, the, the tension and the concern at the result has simmered down a little bit, the hurt, the resentment for Rangers fans. And I just, I thought it might be time to do a wee article on the good things that we've seen from Rangers this season. And, and maybe it's not quite as bad as that 2-0 home defeat at Ibrox would suggest. Where do you think Rangers are right now? How good Second. are they? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but I think that, uh, but I, joking aside, I think they are second. I think that's, that, that is where they are. Um, they're definitely better than they were. Um, two, well, that's the key point. 100%. They're, better, they're massively better than they were two, two years ago. So far, what we've seen this season, they look better than they were last season. So, I mean, you can see there's improvement. It's not massively different in the team as much. We've got these new players in. They're definitely improving under Gerard. They're definitely playing very, very hard for him, which they did last season as well. He's, he's got a lot of, you know, like grit in the team. Um, so, yeah, they're definitely uh, looking better. Are they uh, better than Celtic? I don't think they are. Do you know I mean, I, I think they, they're, 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 they're still definitely man for man how many players for that Rangers team would walk into the Celtic team? Well, that's Not a good many. one. That's a good talker. So I, I think Alan McGregor, for me, would be ahead of Fraser Foster. Uh, yeah, very, very possibly. Certainly, that's ex- a that's a strong debate. That's a strong debate. That's not, and it's not an automatic one. But yeah, um, he's, he's still an exceptional goalkeeper. He just is, regardless of what anyone uh, might say about him or think about him. He's just a very, very good keeper. Um, and again, uh, Ibrox the other week, um, you know, he pulled off some saves. You, you know what? We could go through this, and I'm realising that we don't have the time to go through it individually. But yeah, Monday. You, it's a fair point for me. Who would I pick from the Rangers team to go into the Celtic team? I would probably take Alan McGregor. I would almost certainly take James Tavernier. I like El Ahmed, but it's too early to be saying that he's better than James Tavernier. That's, that's, that that yeah. would be a bold statement. Um, that's it for me, to be honest. Other than that, it's quite difficult. Mm-hmm. It's quite difficult because Odson Edward has, has turned it on this season. Um, so it'd be tight between Odson Edward and Alfredo Morelos. But, um, a couple of international goals last night as well. Uh, yeah, under 21s. But uh, yes, yes still, still impressive. <laughs> well, listen, uh, L'Equipe, I had a piece on him uh, last night and were very impressed. Called him the player of the match. Said he's improved since going to Scotland. So yeah, he's, he's, he's picking up notices as well. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think clearly at the moment Celtic have got the players in form. But you, you know what it's like, Jules. I don't need to tell you. Over the course of a season, these things come in swings and roundabouts. Oh, totally. um, and and I think Rangers have got enough quality uh, there in the in the squad. That, that they'll bounce back. And they have to just, I think, remember that uh, the last few years, it's not really been the Celtic games that have defined their season. It's been an inability it's to beat Kilmarnock yeah. and Aberdeen and teams like that. And that, for me, is their biggest challenge this season. Grind out these games. Yep. Do that and they'll be there or thereabouts. I don't think it's uh, as bad quite as uh, some have suggested. And uh, I think it was quite a tight game. And, and I think it was actually a real triumph for Neil Lennon for his tactics and the way he set the game up. So yep. um, in terms of Celtic, um, Jules, all of a sudden everything's right in the world. Yeah. Um, these signings have come in. They've been criticised. We've we've asked questions. But at this this moment, it's, it's incredible what an old firm game can do for you. Yeah. All of a sudden, these guys are, are looking great. They're yeah. happy. Ball and bowling. Polly Bolling Goalie selling videos for 16 quid on the internet. A um, Christopher Julian's a colossus, which I described him as the other day. <laughs> you know, it, it's all back on track. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, you know, how off track was it? This, this is the thing I've been saying all along. Yes. They had one bad half against Clues, right? Well, they weren't they, great was, against Dunfermline, mate. They weren't, but that's a, you can always put that down to as well. A post-Euro hangover as yes. well, which happens all the time as well. And they still got the result and they're still in the, the, the cup and all that sort of stuff. They've got tons of new players to bet in. You've got a whole an entire new back line working in there. And it's been, they've never looked terrible, but they've been building, 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 and getting it sort of refined and doing what they're doing. And obviously, the Rangers game is a big test of fire, which mm-hmm. they came through with flying colours and every man in the pitch done it. It didn't go well. They were good, but he's a, still a disaster at that. Lennon gets tactics. Lennon's been criticised for his tactics repeatedly by, like, you know, critics and fans of, you know, every club, including Celtic. Um, the Lennon ball, you know, phrase and that, that sort of stuff he got it bang on he got it absolutely bang on and he also got like what I said before the game if they did this this is what they need to do and they would and it's that they met them you know, right at the off booted the ball in half came up against them he got all that right players got everything right and they looked they, what, what that did it didn't turn things around it, but what I think it did it confirmed where they were going and where they were at and it was what they needed to do at that point and obviously now you've got an international break which is not ideal for yeah, because of the momentum. The momentum, but it's up, not yeah. ideal for Rangers either. I mean, it's that thing because obviously the best thing for Rangers to do would come back the next week, get a really convincing win, you know, heads back up again, Celtic again, want to keep the momentum up, and this, you know, you're off for like a week and a half. Or I think I it's think it ideal. suits Rangers. Yeah. I think it suits Rangers because um, a couple of the key players for Rangers uh, in terms of the season so far, Scott Arfield went away and didn't have a summer break. Now, listen, this is not an excuse for Rangers because Cal McGregor played more games than anyone last season, so. And he's dealing with it. Yeah. But Scott Arfield has not looked the same player as he did last season. Connor Goldson hasn't looked the Certainly same player. And most importantly, James Tavernier hasn't looked the same player as he did last season. Now, here's the thing about Celtic. Celtic are established winners who've been grinding out at this top level with the stress and the psychological pressure and the physical pressure that comes with all that for years. Yep. These Rangers players are finding out for the first time what it, what it means and what it's like. Even James Taverney, who's been at the club for a while, it's not really been much of a chase. Now, yeah. the first time that that, that, that we kind of had that was last year. Celtic were still a fair bit away, but it was the closest thing. And, and I think some of the players are looking a little jaded, some of the key ones. So I think 
get them away for a week. I know I think um, Morelos could be back in Colombia from, from what I heard. Um, I think a few of them are, are, are going away on holiday and things like that. Certainly Stephen Gerrard's been away on his charity stuff. Um, so I think that might do, do Rangers the world of good. Um, but obviously the international players are, are away on yeah. international duty <laughs> yeah. um, and aren't getting aren't, aren't getting much of a break. But for the rest of them, um, I think that's that's key. It could be helpful. Yep. I mean, go, go either way. I think. I mean, obviously that sounds fine, and it would do the thing. I do think momentum is important for both for both teams. Um, and it's, it's as you say the the, the the buzz for the the. the game last week's kind of dying down a little bit but it's kind of I think everyone's dying to get it back on I think Rangers will be dying to get back on to kind of put down another marker again to, to say you know okay we lost at home to Celtic but you know we're still this team we're still there we're still going to be challenging we can you know get the top spot we can do this and in this time you're kind of it just uh, drifts off a little bit do you know what I mean I think it's I think it's important for them to have that momentum and that chance to not redeem themselves well, redeem themselves possibly actually but get back on it again as well um, and I think for Celtic as well it's kind of keeping that going I don't think it'll affect either team that much the professionals it's only you know 10 days or whatever or a fortnight mm. in, t- in total between it so it's not the end of the world but it is kind of um, unfortunate it's, it's unlucky timing that it comes straight after that game into this break I think for just a, a mentality sort of side obviously a rest could be useful in, in that way but I think mentality wise it'd be good to kind of get straight back on it Okay, doke Jules, that's all from us for today. You can uh, catch up with uh, any more information that's coming out and news and obviously, oh well, the match report, etc. from tonight uh, at the Football Scotland website. Um, you can find us on Twitter or Facebook at football underscore Scott. We'll be back on Monday for 4pm, just in time to make your work commute that little bit more bearable. If you want to discuss any of what we've said today with us, you can get me on at Johnny R. McFarlane. You can get Jules at Captain underscore Howdy. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening.